Hey everyone, great to have you for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. These are great days with great speakers, have uh, just some great content. Been hearing back from many of you just how this is really touching your life, impacting you in the moment, and uh, giving you a godly perspective. So thanks so much for joining us. Keep those comments coming. We really want to keep this relevant uh, and have a good edge that we can all uh, learn from. Uh, today, I have a special guest with me, Pastor Jabu Zwani, and I'm very happy to have him, a pastor from South Africa, a dear friend, but he also has an excellent podcast called Mindset Talk, and you're going to love him today because he's a man, a pastor, a father, a friend that really has a passion for leadership and uh, is a very gifted pastor as well as an encourager of men. So, Pastor Jabu, it's great to have you today, sir. And I know we're talking about how to think in these last days, but take it away. Anything you want to go, go for it. <laughs> well, Pastor Jason, thank you so much for the just opportunity to be here and to talk about these things. Um, I think uh, for me, um, as a believer and as a Christian, um, the theme, the key, the theme for me in the Bible is thinking. Um, I believe that uh, we were designed as thinkers for a reason, um, and I believe that God wrote the Bible to help us with uh, with thinking. The more and more I, I, I have that kind of uh, disposition when I approach the Bible, the more and more I see what God wants me to think specifically uh, in different uh, environments that I find myself in. And so one of the key things I always ask myself is uh, why do we think as people? Why, what is the purpose of thinking? And there's certain, uh, suppose, frameworks that I would like to build um, around that because I really do believe that primarily we are made as uh, we think in categories. And those categories, they form frames of thinking primarily. Course. I mean, there are, there are certain instances where our thoughts are not necessarily don't fall within those frames. Uh, for example, when somebody's going through a trauma, you know, that's a, that's a whole different um, experience altogether. And your frames may help you to navigate or to make sense of what's happening. But when it's a trauma, it has a, a life of its own. But we're not going to talk about that. We're just talking about, you know, on a regular basis, on day to day, why do we think? I think that we think for two important reasons. I think the first reason why we think is uh, because of our, our, our finitude, our limitation. We're limited beings, and because we're limited, we have a need to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, the other night um, in, in Baltimore, when I had an opportunity to talk, Pastor Shell asked me to come up, and I shared this that understanding is not is not a term that that applies to God because of his uh, omniscience, because of his infinite wisdom, um, because also of his eternity. The fact that he's eternal, the fact that he's everywhere present, the fact that he knows everything that there is to know, and also he knows how to apply knowledge when, when knowledge needs to be applied. It means that he does not have uh, those limitations that we have as people. Therefore, God doesn't understand. He <laughs> doesn't need understanding. Mm. He just knows. He understands, yes, as far as what we need, uh, but mainly because of, uh, you know, he, he knows. He knows what we need. But for us as people, because we are limited, we need to understand. So, therefore, information, we get information so that, first of all, we can understand. 
and we need understanding so that also we can be able to solve problems. So those are the two reasons why I believe we have to we have to think. So every bit of information that we receive is is supposed to do those two things. It's supposed to help us to understand. You know, we need to understand, unravel the mysteries of life, so that we can be able to solve problems. Mm-hmm. We have problems and issues because, of course, of sin, and because of we are in a world that is. Uh, you know, that is run by a, a government that is contrary to God, which is the God, you know, the influence of Satan in the world. The Bible speaks about this in Second Corinthians four four that he blinds, you know, people. He blinds people's thinking. He deceives them. Um, and so then it's vital for us then to understand. Okay, ask ourselves all the time, whenever I'm receiving certain information, why am I receiving this information? First of all, what am I understanding about it? Secondly, what is it solving in my life? Mm. You know, and the problems that we that we have to solve are also linked specifically to our own purpose. For us as Christians, we pray, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy will be done." That word there, that determined resolve, that is the bedrock of uh, every Christian's purpose. What is the will of God in our lives? If we understand what that is, then we understand information that we're getting is supposed to align with what that is. If it doesn't align with that, then we are solving different problems. Because for God's will to be done through us as limited beings, there's certain information, there's, what, there's something we need to understand. If we don't know what that is, then we don't know what it is that we are, that is supposed to solve. Hmm. Then that information becomes redundant or becomes uh, clutter. Or it just becomes uh, heavy. It just becomes, yeah, it, it clutters our thinking. And which is, I think, that's one of the reasons why, even as Christians, we struggle even to navigate the simplest of, uh, simplest of uh, uh, troubles or simplest of issues in our lives. Because we don't understand the importance of, uh, um, or we don't understand the information that we're getting has no relevance to the problems that relate to us specifically as Christians. And those are very well defined in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The problems of being a sinner, the problems of needing a savior, the problems of being reconciled, being restored back to who we were prior to the fall, the, the problem of uh, being reconciled back to God and that relationship being restored, and then our lives then having that very same um, mandate to go and share the same message of the gospel. You know, through various ways, love being the um, the nature of how we do things, grace being the nature of how we do things. Because I believe that they are there. Those two things: God has His nature, His character. The nature being His emotional attributes, and the character being His um, His uh, you know uh, moral attributes. You know, God's truth, God's faithfulness, God's holiness, God's justice. That's those are moral characters. On the other hand, you have your emotional attributes: God's God being love, God being peace, God being gentle, God being grace. Mm-hmm. It talks about how God does things, how we experience them, you know. And those the same things have become our mandate. So that's basically the the framework that I use, you know, out there in the world. <laughs> When I do the my, my mindset development courses and mindset development talks, I frame it around that, frame it around the 
the problem of being a finite being. The importance of having purpose. And along with that as well is that um, we exist in this world in three different spheres. The spheres of our relationship, the sphere of the environment, and the sphere of uh, the institutional order. So relationships, it's uh, on a very personal level, you know. Our relationship with myself, relationship with God, relationship with my, with my family, that's where I primarily get my, that's my first source of influence. That's my first fear of existence and my first fear of influence. What my parents teach me, what I learned with my siblings, what I learned with my friends. Anywhere and everywhere you go, any sphere that you go into, if you don't have a relation, if you, if you don't have relationships with people, it becomes, you know, it becomes lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, it doesn't, uh, there's something that lags there because as human beings who are affectionate, there's, there has to be the exchange of affection and meaning is attached to what we learn through relationships. It's a very important part of that. Mm. Secondly, the environment. The environment is now when I get out of my immediate sphere of relations, relationship now going to something a bit more um, communal, a bit more mutual. Different families, different people. That's where our culture comes from. That's where the norms and standards are. That's where um, the rituals, even whatever prevailing worldview as far as our faith is concerned in whatever environment that we find ourselves in. You know. The environment is basically mutual. So this is where we try to take all of our individual experiences and then we try to find a way to work together to have some kind of a, a, more, a code that will govern us. Mm-hmm. But there isn't necessarily, in the environment, there isn't necessarily a... Uh, there isn't necessarily a a pragmatic order because it's sort of like uh, we, you know, we sort of are like consulting, we're agreeing with each other. This is how we're going to do things, and that's what culture is about. It's not so it's not so hardcore. Uh, and then lastly, is the institution. The institution is actually a bit more pragmatic. And that's where then um, we have to now. This is where we realize that even though we may have mutual connections and mutual desire to do to do things together. We still have problems. That's why we have to now have an institutional order. So education is part of that. Uh, the law and order and governance is part of that. The economy is also part of that. Where we also we almost like want to predict exactly if one, two, three happens, this is how we're going to deal with it. And then lastly, of course, is the media. Once we have that order, once we have that education, once we understand what the law is, how do we then ensure that everybody has access to the same information? Mm. So that if ever there's any, any dispute, then we all have to agree on the, on the cause of action. And in each and every one of these spheres, the one element of the sphere would exist. In the family structure, there's institution and there's environment. In the environment, there are relationships and there's also institutional order. In the, in the, in the institution itself, whether it be the church environment, whether it be the government environment, whether it be school environment, there are relationships and there's also environment. And within those spheres, also there's a hierarchy of order, you know. So there's a hierarchy of order. There's a prevailing thought. There's a prevailing authority mm. that would, uh, you know, decide. I suppose if ever there's any dispute as to what cause of action in, in the home, the mother, the father, and the mother would be the first hierarchy of order. And then in the environment that we find ourselves in, of course, we'll have the institutions such as the police, the uh, you know, the church, 
um, whatever it is, whatever environment that you're in, there will be some kind of an order that uh, all of us together would have sort of the same understanding as far as uh, respect or or um, submitting, mm-hmm. uh, submission, if ever there's any dispute. And of course, in terms of the institution itself, those also have to submit. There's a hierarchy, the government being the number one, as far as that is concerned. No. And then in various spheres, you have different hierarchies depending on who's, who sits where. And I think as far as, uh, you know, this is a, for me, this is a very important part of the mindset development framework and understanding how am I influenced and uh, how do I then, how can I then, if I'm a person of influence, then how do I influence others? Mm. If I don't know how to have relationships, it's very difficult. If I don't have, if I don't have, I'm not sensitive to the environment, the prevailing atmosphere, I won't know how to navigate that, and I won't know how to address uh, those uh, those un- underground rules, which are not always so clear to the naked eye. And if I don't have uh, institutional integrity, as far as the if I'm a, if I'm let's say I'm a teacher, if I'm not an authority in my in my subject matter, if I'm a pastor, I'm not an authority in the. I don't have uh, that depth in exposition, that depth in, in understanding the word of God. If I get up there, then I lack institutional integrity. In what I'm talking about, and as a result, that that that, that kind of diminishes my my influence a little bit, you know. And so that's the key thing um, about thinking. Thinking centers around those two things: understanding why we think. If we understand how we think, we have to understand why how we then are influenced. If we understand how we influence, then we have, we know how to influence other people. You know that we are constantly being influenced. And a big part of that, just to to wrap it up a little bit here, is that. God has designed us with a structure that uh, learns pri- primarily intuitively without necessarily being in a formal structure of learning. More than 99% of the things we learn, we catch. We don't get caught in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a setting. We catch it through our cognitive structure, through our senses, through our mind. The mind stores automatically and then there's subconscious and then there's a conscious level, <laughs> extraction of information from the subconscious level into the conscious level. The more you are aware of that process, the more you can be able to be intentional in terms of how what you extract from your subconscious level. If you're not, then you become more like a zombie almost, yeah. where you're just controlled by your emotions. That's where emotional intelligence comes in. If you understand uh, um, how those two things could relate to each other. In our ministry, Pastor Stevens uh, talked a lot about that. You know, I, I refer a lot to a lot of the stuff that he that he taught. I spend a lot of time learning and work going through some of the stuff that I used to teach as far as that is concerned. Because I understand that, you know, thinking is uh, is simple, but at the same time, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. It is complex when you don't understand how it, how it works. It is simple when you understand how it works. And you tend to then a bit more, in, a lot more intentional um, in, in terms of engaging life, uh, engaging important issues, um, and also how you communicate, you know. If you understand how you get influenced and that you are influenced yourself, you're very mindful of how you communicate. That your communication is more than just about the words you're talking about, but uh, you know how how um, how it aligns to your own life itself. How your life can either be a, a cause, a source of contradiction or confirmation of the very same thing as the material that you're talking about. But anyway, there's a lot I can go into. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> actually, I'm just listening to your. It's actually fascinating, and also um, uh, 
you you're really drawing me in just as you're talking because you 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 know psychology says man is a sum of his own thoughts right yeah but uh, when you talk at pretty much at the very beginning of our cast you said this like how to think when no one's thinking that's kind of depicts our world today mm. um how is it that we can really have this mindset okay yes i want to have a have a system of thinking that helps me understand but you also said something key on how to problem solve how mm. is it that i can be problem solving as well as identifying influences that are good for me and or bad for me. Maybe you can touch on a little bit of that. I think influences can be very subtle yeah. and they can skew our thinking. What would you say about that? That's exactly what it is. We are influenceable beings primarily. That's an important thing for us to understand. We are influenceable. If you don't know if you don't if you're not aware of how influenceable you are, I mean you you might as well just uh you know surrender your brain. <laughs> To whatever, 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 whatever sphere of influence that you might find yourself in, of existence that you might find yourself in, every bit of information is is making you understand something and it is solving something. Mm-hmm. But when you understand what doesn't need to be solved, then you know what doesn't have to be part of your um, your, your 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 solution. Okay. You know, um, as a Christian, every information that I have, as far as a human being is concerned, as far as the Bible prescribes for me. Has got to solve the problem of uh, of sin, mm-hmm. the problem of being uh, a fallen person, the problem of uh, you know wanting to just live for myself, to have things be done for me. Uh, if I understand, I understand the fact that uh, you know I want to be like God. The fall is around being being as gods, knowing good and evil. You know, when the Bible says to me, lean not on your own understanding, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Because as far as my own limited structure of thinking is concerned, the walls of my mind are concerned, I only want what I want. And what I want is based on my limited peripheral view. Mm-hmm. My limited, you know, I can only see so far. And there is so much more out there that, that is greater and bigger than me. But when we have a framework of what is important, what makes uh, what makes what makes what gives a human being their worth? What okay. gives a human being their purpose? What, where are we going? What is the purpose of life? Why are we here? Why do we do the things that we do? Why is it that? Uh, how can we be? How can we really be? You know, be, be one as far as agree on. We can do this together. We can't do this together. Therefore, I can. Why I want to do this, but I it won't benefit. Mm-hmm. In the long run, it won't benefit the greater community or the greater family that I exist in or the greater sphere that I exist in. Yeah. Then your thinking begins to be aligned. And the challenge that we have today is that we have a prevailing thought that exalts an individual above his uh, perfect place within the community of, way, way, of their life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's highly problematic. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you're saying some key things here, um, and I hope our listeners catching this. I feel like uh, I need to hear this a few times because it's <laughs> so deep and so so good. But the answers to those questions that you just gave will build the framework of the thinking that you want to grow in, right? Yeah. So, um, in a world where it's um, paganistic, mm-hmm. uh, neo orthodox, I and mean, we're in a we're in a Christless world more than ever. And, and let's say someone is working in a, in a secular job 
and he's influenced maybe by the environment, maybe mm-hmm. the just people's conversation, maybe someone is uh, just someone's comments or even just the philosophy of the workplace. How does uh, how does someone that's a believer keep their mindset in an environment that's opposite of what they believe? What would you, how would you help somebody like that? You know, let's say you're a believer working in a secular job. What what would be some ways that you can kind of keep your head in the game without, you know, losing your mind? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? No, I totally understand. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Again, the primary what is the, what is the what is the what is what is the framework? What is the framework of us as believers? As far as relationships are concerned, we know the framework is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of that love is that is truth. And truth is not uh, subjective. Truth is an is an objective agency that exists outside of ourselves, and that is that is God. What has God said about people? Let's say I'm in a workplace where um, they you feel that the the ethics, the morality, uh, is not there as far as the way they're treating people, the way they're treating you, and the product itself. You have some questions to ask yourself. Do you want to continue to be part of that for the sake of uh, 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 you know, fulfilling or satisfying your needs. If you're gonna decide, if you decide to stay, then how can you be part of the change? Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to understand how how can you influence the structures. You can't just sit there and say, "Oh, the company is always like this." You know, you can be able to lead from the bottom up. And I would then go on a on a quest on my on on figuring out okay, how do I influence people from the bottom up? Okay. You know, David did that. Many people do do, do that. Most of the time, in fact, by the time that you are ordained as a as a, as a as an authority of leadership, in leadership, it's nothing but an affirmation of what you've already been doing. Right. And some people think that I'm only starting to be a leader once I've received a position. No, mm. you have been. Therefore, when you get put in a position, it's a confirmation of what you've already been doing. Excellent. You know. So learning how to how to speak from the bottom up, I would say, so never feeling like you are a victim. Understanding what uh, what is your purpose, what is what why am I here? Okay, accept. Yeah. I, I, of course, I'm here to make money, and I cannot just say I'm just here to make money. I'm minding my own business. But when you are a Christian, you have a call that is greater than your business. And there's, there's kingdom of God. You're an ambassador. Mm. Uh, you're an advocate of love. You're an advocate of truth. You are uh, entrusted with uh, with uh, with bringing words of life and words of hope. If you don't know how to do that, it may behoove you to just sit, pray, and say, "God, give me some wisdom on how I can be able to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, learn some skills that you need. If you're not a very good communicator, learn how to communicate. If you don't necessarily have, um, you know, uh, your personality is such that you're somebody who's, who's who does who's not very confrontational and stuff like that. Unfortunately, if you if it bothers you that much, it may be so that maybe God is communicating to you that you are the one to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's through prayer, whether it's the way that you live your life. When people know who you are, you sort of like set the the rules of engagement, and they will they will they will they will understand when this person is around, we we need to kind of watch, you know, whether it be watching our mouths, whether it be being very careful in terms of how we, you know, go ahead with our deception and whatever it is that we're doing that's wrong in the company. Mm-hmm. But your presence alone brings accountability. There it is. The yes, room. there's accountability in the room because you're present. And we can never ever undermine our ability also to influence the atmosphere. Exactly. Wow. 
That's a big thing I think you just said. Like, we represent the kingdom of God not because of anything in of ourselves, but just because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the influences going on, there is greater is he that is in us than anything that's influencing that's us. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me ask you this, too. Like, you quoted Pastor Stevens, and I, I love his book on the channel of thinking, which is an incredible book. Mm-hmm. But he used to always say this, too, and I want you to comment, if you would, how the emotions can't think. Yeah. They only respond. Now, I feel like we're in a, uh, <laughs> I feel like, there we go, mm, there <laughs> subjective go. statement. I, I really sense that we're in, in an age where emotions are king. People are just about all what they feel and the and their critical thinking or systems of thinking or, or um, problem solving. It's turned off. It's all yeah. about what makes me feel good. It's all about comfort. It's all about my... Um, my perspective, my perception. Mm. Perception is a huge word. Yeah. How, how would you comment on, okay, emotions don't think. So uh, let's say a person has an anger problem or someone has a lust problem or someone has a insecurity problem. These are all systems of distorted thinking, wouldn't you say? So how would yeah. you answer that? I would say this. Uh, I would say two things. I believe that we respond to to life based on two premises. The first one being adversity and the second one being comfort. You know, and out of those you can have different derivatives. Under your adversity, there's pain, there's there's struggles, there's emotional hurt, trauma, you name it. Um it's uncomfortable, difficulty, fear, all of that fall under your adversity. And then under your comfort, that'll be where your pleasure comes from, where your entertainment, where your joy, happiness. When you're comfortable, you're free to be able to do all to do all of those things. And the way that we respond is through emotions. Mm. And emotions are an energy. They are an energy that is supposed to be channeled into what we think. Mm. What we think is supposed to actually direct how those emotions are, um, how the energy guides. Like emotion is like a you know like fuel. You know the car person driving the car. The car, the car has all of their, all of their thought structure, but then the person that's driving the car then decides where the car is going to go. But without emotions, we're not going to, we're not able to go anywhere. Mm. Without that fuel in there, we're not able to go anywhere. Now, the problem is, um, what we have today is that the guys, people who are in the big, in big, in influence understand that. That's why they want to shut down your thinking channels. And they want to they want to reduce you to this uh, complementary or maybe subsidiary of your intelligence. Mm-hmm. Emotions in them on their own they are not an intelligence. They only become an intelligence when they are submitted to your intellect. Mm-hmm. Then that's emotionally that's emotional intelligence. But without that, they're just nothing but an energy. Now, if I if I can create an environment that makes you to be responsive whether it's an adverse environment or a comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. I want to ensure that you don't engage as much of your thinking as possible. The only thing that you'll do is that you want to prefer that feeling. Mm. That's all I want. Either you prefer to be comfortable and not do anything and not say anything about what's going on out there in the world because it threatens. Because if you do that, then adversity is going to come. If adversity comes, then there's, there's discomfort. Mm-hmm. So... If I can find a way to leverage the most powerful emotion of fear and the emotion, the, the, power, the, the emotion of shame, the emotion of uh, 
the emotion of uh, guilt. If I can take those well, very powerful negative emotions, mm-hmm. and if I can bind that emo- emotion, I can make it, have it marry one of the powerful part of uh, emotion, which is a mo- compassion and love, and then I can attach that to an intelligence, which is let's say a, mo- a, mo- a morality. If I give you a framework of morality, and I say, listen, um, you know, let me give you a very let me give you a very extreme example. <laughs> white people are racist. Okay. Okay. So if this white person is looking at you this way, they're looking down on you. Mm-hmm. I have no other information except for that information that makes me understand this person is racist. Mm-hmm. Therefore, by looking at me this way, then it means that they're undermining me. And then you have to protect yourself. So what do you do? You respond in that way. Mm-hmm. So there I've managed to put in fear and I've managed to connect um, you know, that's, that's self-preservation. And then you respond in that way. Whenever, and, and these days, if you look at it even on, online, people don't no longer address the, the reasoning. They just address the feeling. Yes, exactly. They're just addressing the feeling. That's right. Because the world that we're living in, the powers that be, the, the exousia, the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that exist out there, they understand this reality. Mm-hmm. And that's why they want to constantly reduce people into categories. Remember I mentioned earlier on categories of thinking, yeah. race category, gender category, religious category. If I put you in, I can put you in that little box and I know how to manipulate that energy mm. and use it for my own gain. Wow. You've got so much to say, Pastor Javalani. And, you know, uh, we actually have to... Uh, bring the cast to a close, but I just want to comment, isn't it interesting about advertising? It targets what we feel yeah. and it makes a, a maybe a pseudo, a pseudo or suggestion that presents a pseudo need that you really need this. Therefore you got to buy it. You got to partake, you know, you got to experience it. But really if the reasoning is off, I love what you just said. Like it addresses the, the feeling and not the reasoning then we can go on these rabbit trails of getting, of purchasing things or experiencing things that we don't even need that clutters our thinking, clutters our lives, clutters our relationships. Mm. And I just think like, as we think with God, we are able to um, really have a way through and navigate this maze and how to think. Cause as Proverbs says, 24, it says that as a man thinketh in his heart, mm. That is who he is. Mm-hmm. So if I'm thinking in our new new nature, I'll experience God. If I think in my old nature, I'll experience my 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 depravity. But anyway, last mm-hmm. closing comments. We've got about a minute. Anything That's... you want to close? I know this is you could go on and on. I could just <laughs> tell you're amazing. <laughs> I love listening to you. But any any last closing comments? I'm at First Corinthians two verse uh, fifteen, where where the Bible says that uh, you know a uh, a spiritual man appraises all things, even though he himself is not judged. That's one of my key verses there, hmm. because uh, appraisal is, is, you know, is a very important part. What you what you have in your arsenal, in your tools. What are what, what are you what are your tools of appraisal? Hmm. Because those are tools of appraisal. That's how you can be able to decide what is for real, what is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a builder has a toolbox and they have a tape measure in there. They've got uh, 
know, all sorts of things to be able to know exactly the blueprint and then they have all kinds of things to know exactly how the house is supposed to look like. So that when they do build, even though there may be different versions, uh, different colors, but as far as the structure is concerned, everything still remains the same. The measurements are still the same. The quantity, the strength of the building still is retained, regardless of the diversity that exists. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, if we don't understand the importance of having appraisal tools, we get caught up in their diversity and then whine about the differences. And we concentrate on the differences for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, instead of appreciating the, the diversity of, uh, you know, of, that God has brought into our, into our life as far as uh, race, as far as uh, different you know, nationalities, you name it. We concentrate on the wrong things. Yeah. Even in our own relationships, we concentrate on the wrong things. But when we understand what is supposed to be, that is directly connected to our appraisal tools. For us as Christians, the Bible is the appraisal tool. But the Bible is only an appraisal tool to the extent that you that, that it has a purpose. What is the purpose of the Bible for you? If it's just a religious book, then you become, it solves your religious agenda. Mm -hmm. You become a zealot, you become a, an extremist, whatever the case might be. But if, if it is a reflection of God's heart towards you, towards men, and about you, then it becomes the same agenda for other people. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you align your thoughts more towards that. Um, you know, without compromising truth, without compromising righteousness and holiness, but you understand also those cannot, they don't stand on their own, they're connected an entire person of God who is loving, who is kind, who is gentle, who is uh, merciful. And at the very same time, also who is wise. Mm -hmm. A big part of who God is, which is what we are, is that God is wise. And wisdom is about not only knowing how to apply, but knowing exactly when to apply what, when it's applicable. Mm -hmm. And for that, we have the Holy Spirit, Luke 12, 12 tells us in John 14, 26, who brings to remembrance what we need to, the things we have learned and how to apply in the very hour what needs to be applied in the time. Mm. And so for a Christian, as much as all of this may be overwhelming, we have an upper hand. We have the Word of God, but most yes. importantly, we've got the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. I, I love this word diversity because uh, one one writer, they, um, they shared that a team is diverse, but it's also like-minded. So yeah. diversity is a strength as, as long as we're like-minded, have the same values. Uh, otherwise, we're all pulling each other in many different directions. Yeah. So same with our thinking. It's like as we strengthen those things that support and build our eternal value system, mm -hmm. our our eternal call, our perspective, our, um, our just our walk of faith, the words of God, it becomes something that we uh, can experience. But Pastor Jabalani, thank you for being with me today. I hate to cut this short, but this was so rich and uh for you that are listening, it's uh, Mindset Talk. That's his uh, his um, podcast. I'll put a link and check him out. Uh, he's got a tremendous amount of content, very relevant, and you'll love it. So thanks again for being with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, friends. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.